Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to bluenile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at bluenile.com for $50 off your purchase. bluenile.com code LISTEN. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Prose. Casper, I just got a wonderful wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it, but I cut off over a foot of hair and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, pros is made for people not hair and skin types, personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I use the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, <laughs> but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. Chapter 16. In the Hog's Head. Hermione made no mention of Harry giving Defense Against the Dark Arts lessons for two whole weeks after her original suggestion. Harry's detentions with Umbridge were finally over. I'm Casper Terkyle. And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. For our Every Flavored Bean bonus Patreon conversation, we are going to talk about our favorite version of The Hogshead. We go to The Hogshead, which we will find out is Aberforth's bar, mm. and it's got some character. And so you and I are just going to talk about some favorite holes in the wall that we engage with. And everyone, you can listen to that conversation at patreon.com slash Harry Potter Sacred Text. And you can review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe there ad-free. And you know, just spend more time with us and support the artists who you love. Casper, you have a story for us on the theme of satisfaction. What story do you have? When I was like a young professional, you know, that age, like maybe you've graduated college, you've been in the workforce for a couple of years, and suddenly you're like, ah, I go to work and I get a sandwich at lunchtime and look at me, I know what a mortgage rate is. Not that I have a place to live, <laughs> that is mine, but one day I might learn about it. So in my kind of young professionalhood, I was like, wait, maybe 
one day I will write a book. And it became kind of like one of those totems of success. Like, oh, imagine if one day I get to write a book. Wouldn't that be glamorous? Wouldn't that be exciting? And I start to like imagine what the publication day might look like. And there's, you know, photographers and maybe I'm wearing special clothes. And is there a red carpet? I don't know. And of course, I was very, very lucky that much of that did come true in that I did have a book that was published and it was very much largely thanks to this incredible podcasting community. And we had planned like a 30 city book tour and like all sorts of exciting stuff. And of course, all of that was interrupted by COVID. But the idea that I would be a different me because I had a book published, that still existed even in the midst of COVID. And then of course, I was still the same me when the book was published. In fact, this is, uh, you know, you know this too. When your book is published, nobody cares except you and your family. And if your family cares, you're already lucky. <laughs> like literally, it's a non-event for everyone else. Your friend Vanessa cares so much. Half of my Instagram grid is still just pictures of your book. It's true. Vanessa was the book's bridemaid. That's what we like to say. <laughs> <laughs> but it was such an interesting moment because like that desire went on to something else, right? I was like, oh, maybe one day I'll be in a TV show or like maybe one day I'll do, you know, whatever. And I was listening to another podcast recently where Adrienne Marie Brown, who's a kind of social movement strategist and healer, asked this question that totally floored me when she said, are you satisfiable? And I was like, oh, geez, that's not a question I want to hear. <laughs> and that sense of like, wait, it's not even about the situation changing around me that might satisfy me. It's like, am I satisfiable? And I think since moving to New York City, that is especially pertinent because this city is full of people who are not satisfiable, right? So many people come to the big city with the big lights because they got a big dream. And, you know, that rumbling desire just seeps into every nook and cranny of the city. And so I've really had to try and train myself when I end up in that kind of grasping, climbing, desirous state of mind. However much I'm feeling that, I really try and practice an equal amount of gratitude for the things I already have to try and be satisfiable. And so even if it's like, okay, this museum exhibit was not the best I've ever seen, but like some of it was nice. Or like this subway ride, I saw an interesting cute couple that I enjoyed watching. Or like this weather may not be the nicest weather ever, but like there's something to appreciate. And so I think this is a real practice of being satisfiable. And that's what I want to look at in this chapter is how are our trio especially satisfied or not satisfiable? I love that reframe as to satisfiable. And Casper, the etymology of this is, is I would say, mildly interesting. Satisfy hasn't moved far from the original Latin, but <laughs> it was too content. But it also meant enough or to make enough. And so what if we reframed that idea of like truly satisfied with enough? Yeah. Casper, I am going to try to recap in a satisfactory manner. Can you please count me in? Here we go. 30 second recap. Three, two, one, go. 
So they're like, oh, we're not even talking about you teaching. What? Let's talk about you teaching. There's going to be a Hogsmeade weekend. And um, Hermione has already told like 30 people about this meeting. And she's like, oops, I don't know. They overheard. And so a bunch of people come and they meet at the Hogshead. And it's just so many more people than anybody thought. And Hermione is like, uh, hi, sign this piece of paper. You don't know what you're signing. And people are like, wait, but Harry, what happened? And he's like, things happened. And if you don't think that I'm the right person to teach you, then go away. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't even care. You don't even deserve me. Yeah. You know, do you know who I am? <laughs> stop Stop looking at me, but, but look at me. <laughs> <laughs> Casper, are you ready for your 30 second recap? Yes, my 30 second recap is starting in three, two, one. Go me. <laughs> so everyone's coming into this very dodgy bar because they don't usually go there. And everyone's still worried about, well, Harry's still worried about Sirius and like there's all sorts of drama. Um, and then everyone gathers and there's a lot of people there. And at first they're like, well, show us, you can do it. And Harry's like, you don't even want to learn. You just want to see tricks and le learn about Cedric Diggory's death. And then he's like, okay, fine, I'll tell you. And then they realize that he can do a full body Patronus. And they're like, wow, that's incredible. And Susan Bones is like, my mom or my auntie said you were cool. So I'm here too. And then they all go like, wow. Yeah. Pretty Except much. for Zachariah Smith. He has a lot to say in this chapter, and I am looking forward to getting into it with him. <laughs> <laughs> to getting into it with him. Zachariah. Casper, before we start our theme conversation, we want to talk about an organization that we are sponsored by this week. We are sponsored by Crunch Labs. Crunch Labs is a STEM monthly subscription build box for kids, which means that you get a really fun toy in the mail every month and you put it together by watching a video from former NASA engineer turned YouTuber Mark Rober, where he teaches all of the juicy physics that makes the toy work. 80% of the kids who try the build box say that they gained a new passion around STEM and engineering. I know that my younger stepdaughter just did something like this, and she had a crash car, and her eggs survived, and <gasps> she's now obsessed with engineering. And so by building these kinds of interesting toys with Crunch Labs, it encourages young ones to take a break from screen time and focus on a hands-on activity that's both fun and educational. Crunch Labs is great for gift giving, the perfect gift for a young one in your life, whether that's your kids, your nibblings, friends, kids, whoever it is. Go to crunchlabs.com slash HPST and get your kids Crunch Labs today. So Vanessa, let's start this chapter's conversation about Zacharias Smith. He's not a usual headliner in our conversations, but I feel like he really is the standout performer from chapter 16. Yes. And he kind of represents, I think, the best of this gaggle of Hogwarts students from different years, from different houses, who've come at Hermione's invitation to learn from Harry. And he is really not satisfied with Harry's first couple of like protestations, explanations, denials, angry outbursts. He's like, no, I came here to learn. Don't just like belittle me by saying like, oh, you're not gonna, you're not interested. You're not gonna, you're not here to learn. I guess I, what I love about the moment is seeing Zachariah Smith not taking no for an answer and taking really seriously the invitation of what becomes Dumbledore's army because it illustrates that these other students also have a fight 
in this moment, right? Like they're not just extras. They're the main characters in their own story in what is going to become the fight against Voldemort. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about the way that Zachariah is portrayed here because I see myself in him, right? He's like, prove it. Hmm. I don't know what happened. Dumbledore is saying one thing. The newspaper is saying another thing. You're the only person who says that this thing happened. I like that he's questioning what's happening and he is being given a lot of misinformation. And like people who ask a lot of questions are important in our society. And yet we know that Zachariah is going to end up sort of being on the wrong side of all of this. And I wish that we saw a question asker who ends up being satisfied by what he is seeing right in front of him. Mm. But I do really appreciate those people who want more information and feel as though they deserve information before they do things that are going to put them at a tremendous amount of risk. I think a high satisfaction level makes sense here. Well, and it's interesting because I feel like Luna, who also shows up for this meeting, is kind of the exact opposite of Zacharias because she's not really asking questions. She's just like, oh, yeah, like, I just instinctively trust Harry. And of course, this, like, invisible magical creature exists. And Hermione's like, no, they don't. You're you're dumb. But she, (laughs) like, Luna's not asking any questions. And Zacharias is asking a lot of questions. But what's interesting, as you said, is that Zacharias runs away at the Battle of Hogwarts. And of course, Luna yeah. is part of the fighting. And so, I, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering what to make of that. Is that an insight about asking questions or not? I don't think so. I think that just happens to be these two particular individuals. But I think it's important that Harry is being tested by his peers in a context that isn't controlled by the Hogwarts faculty, right? Like they are finally getting to ask him questions to satisfy, yes, their own curiosity, but also their own sense of like, is this person trustworthy? Like, is this someone who should be our leader? Because that's that's what Hermione is inviting us into. I just really feel for Zacharias in this moment where you're like, well, I'm getting different information from two different sides and I don't know who to believe. Mm. This source, the Daily Prophet, who like we all agreed was like the number one source, you know, is now saying things that my headmaster, who I've been taught to respect, is saying the opposite of. And now the ministry, who I've always been taught to respect, has sent this woman here and she's saying something different. And so, yeah, I just, his lack of satisfaction with any narrative, just, I have a tremendous amount of compassion for his lack of satisfaction. And I actually think that there's something meaningful and lovely about it. Hmm. What do you make of Hermione? Because I feel like, she wasn't satisfied with Harry's initial rejection, right? Of She invited him to teach and she's let it go for a couple of weeks and now she's pressing him again. That's why we end up in this situation at the Hogshead. Do you think Hermione as a character generally is satisfiable or is she always one step ahead, trying, pushing, you know, getting us somewhere else? I mean, the question, first of all, feels like a question within me. Do I want people to be satisfiable? Hmm. I do, right? I want people to be happy. I want people to be grateful for what they have, but I also want people to always be pushing for more. Yeah. And since I believe that Hermione Granger is perfect, I think that that's what she's doing. (laughs) Is that an answer? (laughs) I've just projected what I want most from everyone to be true for Hermione, but it's not really (laughs) text-based. Well, I mean, let's look at some of the stuff that is in the text because- Should we actually look at the text? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We've done a character study in the abstract. The, The thing that I really noticed with Hermione in this chapter is that she is not satisfied 
in her trust of other people, right? And it's not just Luna and Ginny and like some of the nearest and dearest who are here. There's like random people, right? Cho's random Ravenclaw friend who clearly doesn't want to be there and is just a chaperone for Cho. And so Hermione creates not just a promise at the end of the chapter. She's like, you have to sign your name, right? Like you have to promise your ultimate fidelity and inviolate trust that you will not talk about what has happened here tonight. And what I love in the text is it says, there was an odd feeling in the group now. It was as though they had just signed some kind of contract. And that is what she does. Like she gets them to sign this super intense NDA. Right. And that is a that is a sign. I mean, it's an NDA with a punishment and they don't know she's lying to them. Yeah, they don't know there's a punishment. And so, like, she's not satisfied by people's promise of like, yeah, 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 I won't tell anyone. So there's something about her which is not satisfiable. Yeah, no, she's not trusting. Yeah, I love that idea that she's not satisfied with people's promises. I think that this is also just like her knowing human nature. Mm. Because I do think that if if Harry and Ron promise to keep this a secret, or even like Ginny, right? Like Neville, right. like the circle gets bigger and bigger, right? The Order of the Phoenix. Like I do think that there are a lot of people who she would be satisfied with a promise. And it comes down to trust. And she this is too many people. It's it's gotten too wide. And I mean, the mistake here is that she doesn't do this at the very beginning of the meeting and say, hey, if you sign this, if you want to know what's up, you have to sign this piece of paper and then you are sworn to secrecy. And like and that is often a difficult position. Right. It is a position that I've put other people in where I have said to them, like, I have something to tell you, but it's private. I would like to tell you, but you are not allowed to tell other people. Do you want me to tell you? Do you want to be a secret keeper? But as soon as I tell you, I'm going to need you to be a secret keeper. Like, it's a really tough moment where I think we are asking for a lot of maturity from people to know themselves, know their other relationships, know I am going to want to tell my mom, my spouse, my dog, whatever it is, and I don't have the information yet. But Hermione's mistake here is a strategic one where she only at the end of the meeting sort of admits that she's not satisfied with their Mm. promises and Mm. is like, actually, psych, I need you to sign this like very binding piece of paper that if you break it, the spell will be that you are horribly disfigured for the rest of your life. Without you knowing that that's the consequence. Thank you so much for coming. We'll see you next week. (laughs) I do think she's also just conflicted right like on the one hand she wants as many people there as possible and she doesn't try to undo the fact that word spreads and randoms show up right but then she also wants it to be a really closely kept crew with this with this binding contract and for me i think that reveals that hermione doesn't quite know what she wants this group to be is it an intimate high trust like guerrilla army small crew Or is it a big, broader movement of people where there's less relationship, less trust, less shared context in history, where she just wants as many people on board as possible? And I I, I think maybe for her, she doesn't quite know what Dumbledore's army is going to be yet. Obviously, she doesn't know it's going to be called the DA. But like, that's what I noticed in this chapter too, was just like, I always think of Hermione as this mastermind, which she is. But here she's still like, I don't know, is this a big meeting? Is it a small meeting? I'm not quite in control. I'm reading my brilliant friend, the Elena Ferrante novel with our What Matters class. And Elena Ferrante, who writes under a pseudonym, has sort of famously said, like, as soon as a book is out, its author has nothing to do with it, right? Like, it is its own thing. 
And, like, that can only be said from a position of someone who's very satisfied with their book. Mm. Like, I don't care what you make of it. Here it is. But in the process, I don't think that that is something that you can say. And Hermione is, as the sort of cliche goes, building this plane as she's flying it. She's not fully satisfied with what it is as she's sending it out into the world. And so she's moving it into a co-creation space because she has to, because that's the way that movements work, but before it's fully formed. And so, of course, she's always going to be walking this line of like, I want to control this more than I can in order for it to stay up to the standard that I would would satisfy me. But I also have to let go because otherwise it'll never become the thing that it needs to be. As a controlling maybe person, (laughs) I really feel for her. (laughs) I'm so glad she has crumb to talk to about all of this. You know, (laughs) it's important that you have someone to chat with. (laughs) Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Prose. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair. And that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I used the review and refine feature, and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. The big satisfaction that I see in this chapter, though, Casper, is Harry's. He is reluctant to give this speech, but he gets to give this speech Mm. in front of a group of people, most of whom are leaning toward believing him, but several of whom are quite incredulous and, you know, 
unclear as to what he's going to say. And he finally gets to say what happened. And I just can't imagine the satisfaction of that. The satisfaction of finally being seen and of being in control of your own narrative. Right? Like, even just one person believing you and really seeing you can be so meaningful. But he has been walking around this campus knowing that misinformation has been spread about him, not knowing who thinks he's you know, just a liar with an agenda versus like a traumatized kid with a real truth to tell. And the fact that like, what a gift that he gets to set it all straight, that he gets this opportunity and that Hermione has built it for him. That is, I think, a breath of satisfaction for him of like, no, I'm going to use Voldemort's name. I'm going to say Cedric died. I'm going to say the things that are important to say. And, like, I saw him. I saw him. And we fought. And Cedric is dead. And, like, God, it just must be so satisfying. But what do you make of the fact that he says, like, if you've come to hear, you know, what it looks like when Voldemort murders someone, I can't help you. I don't want to talk about Cedric. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like there's more conflict. Like, the thing that he talks a lot about is the answers to the questions about what he's able to do. Like, his magical skill. And I'm wondering if that's where the satisfaction is, less about the narrative, but more about, like, this is who I am. I just think it's not about their satisfaction. It's about his. It's like Mm. one of those things, like, Hermione might be frustrated with him. Hermione might be like, this is a bad sales pitch. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh, we're here to convince them. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. Right? Like, he's there to satisfy himself. And I think he believes in underselling. He's like, I'm not sure I'm the right guy for this. And so, like, it's honest, right? Like, I'm going to tell you what I'm willing to tell you. I'm going to tell you no more and no less. And, like, that's it. Yeah, it really struck me that he is not seeking the limelight in this moment. Or, or at least he's he's a sort of unwilling but ultimately very compelling teacher because the, the group is giving him credibility rather than his own, like, it's yes. he's the opposite of Gilderoy Lockhart, right? Yes. Like, it's the questions that are coming from the other students that reveal what he's capable of. Like, it's Susan Bones saying, like, hey, my aunt told me that she saw that you could conjure a full-bodied Patronus in the trial. Is that true? And she's like, wow, that's amazing. And so that that's where his authority is coming from. It's not stuff that he's proclaiming himself. So in that sense... Yeah, no, I, I I like what you're saying there. I mean, the other the other thing that struck me about Harry is I saw him practicing this practice that I mentioned in my story at the top of the episode, because as he's leaving Hogwarts, you know, Filch is going through the list of who's allowed to go to Hogsmeade. And Harry remembers that it's only because of Sirius that he's able to go. And it's just this little moment where he's able to kind of practice gratitude and acknowledge the help he's received from other people and Sirius specifically. So he's like, yeah, I may not be, to- you know, <laughs> clearly I'm I'm not free in my life here in Hogwarts, but like I'm grateful for this moment that I get to have. And that's because of Sirius um, over the weekend. So I, I like seeing him be satisfiable in that moment himself as well. And maybe there's something about that, you know, Harry as a totem for satisfiability throughout this series, right? He gets given so much and so much is asked of him, but there's very little when we see him grasping for more, certainly not for wealth, certainly not for fame, right? Like he's actually an, sort of an, anti, <laughs> an anti-hero an anti in that sense of like, he's not looking to make a big impact in the world, right? Like all he wants to do 
is satisfying, maybe revenge, maybe justice, but like, it's not about achievement ever for Harry. It's about something much deeper. And so maybe he's a good totem for satisfiability. Yeah, I really do think like that he's going to become a middle-aged guy who looks around at his family table and is like, look, my family is healthy. (laughs) I'm just like, how lucky am I? And we don't want people to have to go through such extreme trauma in order to be satisfiable. But I do think, right, like this is something that people talk about after something like cancer, where it's just like, Mm. there's just more gratitude. Like this, this can't be taken for granted. Yeah. You know, and it can hit people, I think, either way of like, I have one life and I have to try to do everything or I have one life and let's enjoy it. Mm. Mm. That's beautiful. Today we are going to do our spiritual practice of Pardes. It is a Jewish four-step reading practice, and I found us a delightful sentence. Are you ready? I'm ready. What do you mean? Who's taking anything badly? I'm not going to harp on about anything. (laughs) (laughs) So this, for those of you who don't remember at home, is a Ron flipping out because he has just found out that Ginny is dating Michael Corner. And Hermione is like, well, she didn't tell you because she knew you'd take it badly and harp on about it. And he's like, what do you mean? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. I'm not going to harp on about anything. But you get the sense that he's not saying it. Like, let me give you the line reading that we don't believe he's giving. What do mm. you mean? Who's taking anything badly? I am not going to harp on about anything. Like, that is not the vibe. Because the next sentence is that Ron continued to, and this is not a word in American English, chunter under his breath (laughs) all the way down. He's he's really bothered by this. Anything you want to add to step one to shut? I feel like it's not just about Ginny and Michael like it's also a little bit about Hermione and Crumb which has already come up at this point in the chapter like I th- I think Ron is just feeling a lot of feelings and it's coming out in all sorts of ways um, which you know what's new with Ron but I, he is clearly just he has so much more going on in his heart than his brain and mouth are able to communicate <laughs> outward <laughs> bless him and I think there's also a little embarrassment that like Ginny is younger and she is so much more mature relationally. And so the fact that he's unable to like have a rational response to this in itself is also embarrassing to him, which trips him up. And so he ends up kind of whispering to himself in in, in this slightly embarrassed way. Yeah. So I, th- I, I think there's just a lot of shame in this moment for Ron, honestly. Yeah. And that feeling of like, what? Everyone is dating. I didn't know that feeling of being left behind. Like, Everybody is doing this thing without me, and I didn't even know it was a thing we were supposed to be doing. Right. Which I really relate to. So So step two is remas, and we pick a word and trace it throughout the books. What word do you want to look closely at? Let me read it for you one more time. What do you mean? Who's taking anything badly? I'm not going to harp on about anything. Ooh. How about harp? I think whenever anyone in these books confronts someone else's harping on, right? Like in book six, Harry is going to harp on and on and on about Draco. I'm like, <laughs> Draco's up to something. Draco's up to something. Draco's up to something, right? Like yeah. 
what is harping? It's an obsession that is annoying someone else, right? To talk about a subject constantly in a repeated or annoying way. Yeah. Yeah. And so like Hermione is harping on about house elves and the boys are actually calmer in this book because she's just she's just knitting hats and like that's a lot less annoying. And so they're like, fine, at least you're not harping on about it. Right. It's a passion that someone else has that like you can't take on as your own. But like if you have the same favorite football team, you're not like, oh, my God, you're always harping on about that. Mm. You're just like, yeah, we both talk about it. This is like a legitimate thing to keep coming back to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm thinking about the magical creature of the hoppy. I know that's like extending the hop word a little bit. But no. the thing that strikes me is I think it's in book four that we learn that velas can transform into like hoppy-like creatures when they're angry. And so there's something about the transformational potential, anger, like hopping on can become something much more intense, right? Like hopping on about something can become something violent, something dangerous. And so, especially because the velas are like so beautiful and so, you know, deceiving. Like it makes me think about that hop word as carrying something a little bit more terrifying underneath, you know, its plain exterior. Well, great. Step three is drash. And this is where mm. we ask ourselves if this was our piece of lectionary, what would we preach on? And so here's the sentence one more time. What do you mean? Who's taking anything badly? I'm not going to harp on about anything. Well, mine immediately came to mind. Mm. If someone is harping on about something, try to take them seriously at least for a minute and be like, what's going on here? What's huh. the feeling under here? Right? Like if someone should ask Ron, be like, why does this bother you? And I think it'll take Ron a, more than a minute. Right? I, yeah. I Like it might take him a couple weeks, right? Before he's like, whatever. I just don't like the idea of my sister making out with a guy. And it's like, well, that's not it. Like what's actually going on here? And it's like, well, what's actually going on here is I'm afraid of being left behind. And mm. I feel silly and babyish and right. Like, and so if you feel as though someone is harping on about something, I think some sometimes we just get obsessed with something like a Taylor Swift song and you know there's no deeper meaning as to why we're harping on and on about the song Betty but often if someone is harping on about something it is worth really trying to dig into why with them so that you can accompany mm. them in the why of it what about you Casper well that's really good what strikes me is that kind of denial that Ron is saying of like no one's taking anything badly and that's what he wants to be true, <laughs> but it's not true. And so I guess maybe what I would invite us to think about is when we ourselves are protesting too much, <laughs> it's usually because something really is striking us or is difficult. And I find this most often when I take an instant dislike to someone, I nearly always remember to ask myself, or I try to remember to ask myself like, oh, there's clearly something in me that I don't like that I'm seeing in this person, right? This is not about them, it's about me. And so trying to keep that in mind when I have that strong denial that comes out of nowhere where you can see everyone else looking at you being like, uh-huh. It's like, oh, okay, this is about me. I think Ron is the kind of patron saint of, hmm, maybe I need to look at myself here. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know that. But it's no, true. I mean, that's always the case, though. Well, step four is sewed, and I will read the sentence one more time, and we will see if a secret has been shaken loose from our conversation. Mm. What do you mean? Who's taking anything badly? I'm not going to harp on about anything. 
I mean, the secret to me is that as charming as this behavior is in Ron, it does have negative consequences for Hermione and Ginny. Like his little sister is keeping a secret from him because she doesn't feel safe talking to him about it because he's going to be a jerk about it. And Hermione is not talking to Ron about Crumb because of that same thing. And so two women who he loves deeply are hiding information from him because they don't trust him to have a mature response. And so his lack of maturity has real consequences for the women in his life. What about you? I guess the sode for me is that sense of like, it's the people we love the most who have to deal most with our ugliest responses to life, right? Like Ron loves Ginny, right? She's his sister, but she has to put up with the worst of his behavior. And that's the place where Ron, you know, rationally would never want to be putting that stress and shame and all of the gross behavior that he exhibits. And so I, I guess it's just the cruelty of life that is the people we love the most who often have to deal with the worst of our behavior. So, yeah, there's some sadness in my soul there. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for engaging in this sacred practice with me. Yeah, I love Fades. It's my favorite practice. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This week's voicemail is from Sunanda. Hello, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. My name is Sunanda, and I'm reaching out to you from Toronto. Today, I want to offer a blessing for Hedwig. I recently read Book 5, Chapter 14, Percy and Padfoot, and there's a moment in the start of the chapter where Harry is going to the Owlery and has a letter for Sirius. He finds Hedwig and tells her, um, I know it says snuffles on the parchment, but it's really for Sirius, okay? And Hedwig kind of acknowledges this, blinks at him, nuzzles him, and then flies off with the letter. And I was really struck by this moment because in this book so far, we see Harry so hurt and angry and just navigating his grief and trauma. And you see how far away he feels from all the people in his life and how hard it is for him to let people in and let people love him. And this moment was really notable to me because 
it felt like the first real moment of true connection we've seen um, in this book so far. And I'm just really grateful for Hedwig and that she was able to connect with Harry in this moment and offer him solace when he's feeling so alone and far away from so many people in his life. I too recently um, went through a big life change. Um, I moved from Chicago where I'd been living for the last nine years to uh, Toronto where I don't really know anyone at all. And in the, on the days when I'm feeling kind of lonely and far away from the people I love, I'm really grateful for my cat, Loki. This is the first time I've ever moved with a pet and it has made a world of a difference to have my um, companion um, come up and snuggle with me when I'm feeling kind of sad. And so with that, I offer this blessing for um, Hedwig and all the other companions out there who are making people's lives better. Oh, Sananda, that's so lovely. And I'm so glad you have your cat with you. And I'm so glad Harry has Hedwig. I feel like this is one of life's great joys that I have not yet experienced because I didn't grow up with a kind of like snuggle pet. You know, we had animals in the house, but they weren't like loved pets in that way. You know, like a, a bird is not going to quite snuggle with you, at least in my experience. <laughs> but I feel like I get to see Vanessa have that. Like Vanessa's love for Rory. I think it's one of the beautiful things about you. And and it's been such a constant in your life since I've known you. You know, Rory's always been there through house moves and all sorts of trials and tribulations and joys and celebrations. And I'm so glad that Harry has that through the books. And of course, it makes Hedwig's death all the more painful when it does come. Sunanda, I'm also just so glad that you have your cat. And I'm lucky enough I get to see Sunanda in class tonight. So, Hey, Toronto friends. Make it happen. Yes, yeah, Sunanda, that's so important. We have a really active Harry Potter and the Sacred Text community in Toronto. So go go make some friends. Good peoples of the world. It's now time for us to remember members of our community who have been loved and lost. And this week we remember Kim Priest, who was 63, a jovial artist, mother and grandmother. Mary Alice Schasberger, who was 95, a grandma who was generous with her knitting, baked goods and time. And the victims of the Lewiston, Maine shooting. May their memory forever be a blessing. It's now time for us to bless characters in the chapter who meant something to us. Who would you like to bless? I really was thinking of Ginny this week. You know, she is moving on from what you can't have, right? To find something that you can. Hermione is explaining <laughs> that, yes, <laughs> Ginny still did like Harry, but like Harry doesn't like her. And so she said, okay, and, and is going to find someone else who who does like her. And, and Michael seems to be pleasant enough, at least for the moment. And I feel like there is something about that theme of satisfiability in that, right? Like the dream relationship does not exist. It's only the real that exists. And the real is disappointing in a hundred different ways. And I feel like Ginny is embracing that in a very mature way at a very young age. And so I just want to bless Ginny and everyone else who is navigating the reality <laughs> of disappointment in a relationship. And so, yeah, blessings for Ginny. Always blessings for Ginny. How about you, Vanessa? I am blessing Hermione 
I don't think there are like bat mitzvahs in the wizarding world, so I would like to create a ceremony for one Hermione Granger. She disappeared a cat. She's a witch. She has skills. She's a witch. I am so proud of her. Like, I know you're born a witch, but also, like, you become a witch. She's a witch. I'm so... She is, like, conniving and, like, orchestrating and making things happen and freeing elves and learning how to knit and being a good friend to Ginny and reading the newspaper. And also, she is flipping a witch. And she's just out there crushing it. And so, a blessing for everyone out there crushing it. Where do the cats go? I, he, these are metaphysical questions that are above my pay grade. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be reading book five, chapter 17, Educational Decree number 24, through the theme of refuge. And Matt Potts is going to be telling that story. Everybody, just a few reminders before we give our thanks. We have pilgrimages on sale. We have classes on sale. Go and find out more at NotSorryWorks.com. And of course, you can get ad-free episodes on Apple Podcasts or by signing up for our Patreon. This was a Not Sorry production. We are a feminist production company. Our executive producer is Caitlin Hoffmeister. We are edited and produced by AJ Uramas. Our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull, and we are distributed by Acast. Thank you this week to the wonderful Sunanda for her voicemail. Laura Glass, Ariana Nettleman, Julia Argy, Margaret H. Wilson, Nikki Zoltan, Hannah Rehack, Courtney Brown, Matt Potts, Natalie Folkert, Stephanie Paulsell, everyone who sent in the names of their loved ones, and and love of my life, Casper Turkile. Thank you so much for being here. Love you too. Thanks, Vanessa. Bye, everyone. Three, two, one, go me. <laughs> so, on the guest list are Lee Jordan, Fred and George, some Hufflepuff Quidditch player, Ginny, Terry Boot, Michael Corner, Anthony Goldstein, three Ravenclaw boys. No, I just did that wrong. Wait, is this a funny joke or not? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm just going to list everyone who's in the room. <laughs> I'll save it for another time. <laughs>